I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures here to begin. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you continue in my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but... A son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Matthew 7, verse 21 and following. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many, that's interesting, many, will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Did we we release the children or something? Did Did I forget? Okay, we did and I just, mine don't want to go. Okay, that's okay. Thanks for clarifying. Oh, and yours don't either. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Just checking. Okay. Matthew seven twenty four. Right after this teaching. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Matthew 12, 50. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And continuing. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own, own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Isn't that interesting? Those are contrasted. Your wisdom versus the Lord's wisdom. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body, and strength for your bones. I'm going to read two verses from the Bible about the Bible. 1 Timothy 3.16 and 17 in the message. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, Correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. In Hebrews 4.12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. 
everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he's the one to whom we are accountable. There's a theme running through my selections. Probably have picked up on it. Matthew 15. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, and they asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? They ignore our tradition to ceremonially hand-wash before they eat. And Jesus replied, I just love him. He just picks fights. He's just not a Mennonite at all. He just picks fights. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you. I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Jesus, you know you're going to hurt their feelings. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. By the way, I'm a Mennonite, and I'm fairly confrontational, so I guess that stereotype doesn't apply. And I've seen some other Mennonites that were so confrontational, they scared me. So, I'm for real. Clint Yoder, I saw Clint on the phone yelling at somebody, and it was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And it was in love, by the way. That's not a bad thing. He was confrontational, putting that out there. Luke 6.46, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? We're a congregation that has tasted deep loss and grief and who know that love, God's love, is a healing balm and that hope's not just a garnish on the plate, but it's more like oxygen to survive. We have a conviction that community is right in the center of what God's doing in the world. And we believe, firmly believe, that God looks like Jesus, that Jesus is what God has to say to humanity. Our conviction is that Jesus is not a genius, he's the genius at the art of living well. And that, you know, what people call the Christian life... can be described as learning from Jesus how to live. So when we say Jesus is Lord, for that to mean anything, it must first of all mean that we are reading, understanding, and submitting to what Scripture says Jesus said. Otherwise, it'll simply be us claiming to follow him but basing what we are saying about what he said on our preferences, our culture, our opinions, and our experiences, which have taught us a lot of things that Jesus never wanted us to learn. And in the end, we end up, instead of being conformed to his image, we end up reforming God in the image of our own ideals. Instead of leaning on our own understanding, we are called to acknowledge him in all of our ways, Let him direct our paths. So practically speaking, what that means is 
letting the Bible win over our opinion. Otherwise, if you don't let the Bible win over your opinion, then just stop saying Jesus is Lord because it's a lie. Um, I read last night on the Pew um, Research website that 77% of Americans say they pray. Most 50-some percent say they pray regularly and 20-something percent say they pray at least once a month or so forth. And there's only like 23% that say they never pray or that's not relevant to them. So 77% of Americans pray. So if all it took to have a good relationship with God is a prayer life, you would think that this country would look a lot like Jesus and the kingdom would definitely be established in our actions here. However, um, it takes a lot more than prayer, doesn't it? For God to actually consider us people he knows. In other words, we might be on speaking terms with someone, but they don't know us. For Jesus is Lord, that phrase, to have any kind of bite, there are certain realities that have to take shape in our lives. I'll put it this way, Bono, I love Bono, he said, uh, stop asking for God to bless you. God's already told you what is blessed. It's his will. And all you have to do to be blessed is go live there. Specifically, Bono was talking about caring for the poor and how many times scripture describes very clearly that if we will care for the poor, he will bless us. But if we will ignore their cries, he will ignore our prayers. Mm. Mm. Bono. You know? (laughs) Dang, Bono. Just go over there and sing rock and roll. With or without you. Anyway. Jesus told a bunch of stories where he contrasted and compared two individuals. And one of the stories he told where he compared and contrasted is the story I read a little bit ago about the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. The one guy in the story built his house on the rock. He did what Jesus said. And another built his house on the sand. He might have listened to the sermon, nodded his head, but then in practicality did whatever he thought would bring him happiness. The first person's life was strong. Notice this. This is not a story about heaven and hell. It's a story about what happens in your life. The first person's life was strong, whole, united, integrated, and well. The second person's life on earth was hell on earth. Disintegrated. At odds with reality. Broken and tortured. And then, of course, the eternal results of these two paths are even more stark. I quoted this passage a bit ago. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day. Lots of people come to church, sing, pray, get baptized. But the thing that reveals whether all that is real is do you do God's will or do you do your own? Do I obey? Is obedience, like it was for Jesus, my daily bread? Remember the story in John chapter 4. Jesus is fasting. The disciples go away. When they return... They, you know, they say, you've got to get something to eat. And he says, I have food that you don't even know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And in that context, it's loving that woman at the well. Do you do God's will or do you do your own? Is that your daily bread? Or is my daily bread simply to use my wisdom to seek my pleasure? Do I belong to me or do I belong to him? Am I bought with a price and therefore living to bring joy to his heart? 
Or am I just like everybody else, trying to find a way to feel okay, whatever it takes? Whoever does the Father's will, that's who Jesus says he knows. And that's also who Jesus says is his family. And that's why it's also possible for people to draw near to God with their mouths, but their hearts be far. It's possible for our teaching to be nothing more than human opinions. A way that makes sense, seems right to all of us, but in reality is just a clever rationalization of our disavowing the hard thing God wants us to do. Last week, after service, if you weren't there, we had a family meeting in which we followed the last part of Matthew 18. How Jesus commands us to deal with a believer in Christ who sins and who won't repent, who won't turn from wrong, from the heart. He says very clearly to confront personally, then take another, and then after that, take it to the church, and then after that, to no longer treat that person as an insider, as a brother or sister, as someone who has peace with God, but rather to treat them as someone who is on the outside, who needs to be brought in. And we do this because this is actually the case. When someone's conscience and Satan are lying to them, we just love them too much to join the lie and watch them live a life of deception and death covered over with fake religion. We love you too much to do it and Jesus won't let us do it. We have no stones of judgment to throw. That's not the heart of it. We're not shunning people. We're not having nothing to do with them and not speaking to them. But we're not going to lie to them and partner with destruction. We act with gentleness and we speak clearly the truth because they are worth it. So last week we did that and we as a church wept and prayed and hugged We loved on a dear, precious family who matters so much, who matters so much. I've been having back issues. Uh, Sometimes they kind of fire up, and this morning I was having them, and I would fall to the floor and yell, and then lay on my stomach and still got the electrical shocks. And I was like, Lord, what are you saying, Lord? I know that you might be like, that's not the Lord trying to teach you something, that's just your back acting up. That's fine, but I think everything can teach us if we're open. And the Lord said, there's some pain that is so intense that you can't ignore it. There's some pain. And he said, I designed pain to be there to keep you from further harming yourself when something is broken. He said, some pain is so intense that you can't ignore it. But you have to reorganize your life to make sure you find what's the problem and fix it. Right now, there are parts of Gateway that are in such pain that we should not ignore it, but the whole body should reorganize our life to come around those parts of this body and seek to bring healing and comfort and love to them. We've been in this process a while now, but we wept and we prayed and we hugged and we loved on this dear family. We did it with tears and we did it because, primarily because it's exactly what Jesus commanded us to do. And reflecting on this, it's been interesting for me for a while now, I think many of like Nikki would testify to this, we learn more in one year of obedience to Jesus than we would in a hundred years of studying theology. 
say that again. We learn more in one year of actually obeying Jesus than we would in a hundred years of studying theology. And last week I saw something happen in our body that I did not anticipate. I saw that while we were following Matthew 18, what we were doing was touching other people at the point of their pain. Touching pain from childhood. People whose parents had been through similar things. Touching people whose marriages had gone through things. Touching people who had been the wrongdoer in their marriage. And I saw that pain was coming up and not, not only were people gathering around this one precious family, but people were gathering around each other all over the house to openly talk about things that had been kind of pushed down and not talked about for a long time. I saw a connectedness and I saw an openness and I saw a sweetness of love that really I didn't anticipate. But Jesus probably did anticipate that because he knows what he's talking about when he tells us to do something. I saw such a holy thing happening. I saw that the Lord was putting people back together and ministering his love and his mercy into these deep places. And I stood back after everyone left and I said, okay, Jesus, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. This process is not the process I would have designed if someone said, how should we handle this? My process would have been more like my culture once, more focused on how everyone feels, making sure no one feels bad. A little less confrontational. Jesus' way is very confrontational. I've been on a journey with Jesus for some years now, and years ago I said, I hate conflict, and he said, we don't. I thought, oh, we're speaking as the royal trinity now. We don't. And I said, why? And he said, because that's where all the transformation happens. And I was like, oh, no. And then last year, or maybe within this year, he and I were having a similar talk, and he said, Tim, I'm going to make you so confrontational that people around you will either have to get healthy or get out. And it started happening. So his ways are different than mine. His way feels very intense, very confrontational. And on the other hand, it feels very open and very unveiled and very what is secret is exposed. It's interesting too because if you're someone who has sinned greatly and you're terrified of people finding out, and you're doing it the way the world wants to do it. You're going to try to hide that. Amen. Big time. And anyone who has that knowledge. Has some dangerous dirt on you. <laughs> but the way Jesus handles it is. You come here. You confess it openly. And you turn from it. And now you have a whole group of people who know that's not who you are anymore. And it doesn't matter who knows it. Because it's not who you are anymore. And you have a whole group that has witnessed the transformation and the reality of the blood. His ways are different. I had a dream a couple weeks ago. Technically, it was a nightmare. I was with my little sister, Lynette, and she'd become so convinced that life was miserable and the only way to find relief was to escape life itself. 
You catch my meaning. And in the dream, I was with her. There was this warm light, like the one that's there around sunset, a sunset, dusk. And for some reason, I was picturing it on the beach. I was there with her. I was empathizing. I was sympathizing. I was giving her compassion. I was not stopping her. I was just there with her, supporting her in this self-destruction while she took her life. And then I woke up. And when I woke up, that warm sunlight and that wonderful feeling of togetherness and empathy and sympathy and compassion stayed on me, but I was also awake. And that combination of those warm, wonderful feelings of sympathy and compassion and the reality of being wide awake and going, what, just, I, what did I just, what is, what? And that dream just clarified to me so strongly that what feels like love is very different sometimes than what is love. I believe God gave me that dream so that I wouldn't back down from doing what Jesus says. If it partners with someone's destruction, no matter how gracious or compassionate or nice it feels, it's not love. There are some hard things that we have to do to live lives of love, and they won't feel like love in the moment all the time. And this means, as parents, there are some hard things we do with our kids. We might feel mean to do it God's way. There are some hard things we might do as we walk out lives of love with our friends. Friends who may have addictions of various kinds. Or blind spots of various kinds. Or for our spouse, we might have to do or say some hard things. Or for ourselves, people might have to do and say hard things for us. Scripture has a lot to say about rebuke. Rebuke a wise man, and he will be wiser still. But rebuke a fool, and your reward will basically be suffering. I learned a lot. Just through that simple thing of let's do what Jesus said. Through obedience to Jesus, often way before we even understand the full reasons for why Jesus says what he says, we eventually come to understand just how much better he understands life, understands people, understands human development and psychology, understands consequences, understands how he designed us to work. He understands much better than we do. And I believe we kind of come to understand how incredibly kind and wise and loving his heart is toward us. And how kind and wise and loving his heart is toward other people. He knows how life works best. So I wonder, I kind of, you know, just wonder what all in our lives aren't thriving because we are living by our wisdom and our culture's wisdom and our oh so psychologically astute 2017 American understanding of things. I just wonder how much of our lives are 
unhealthy and out of whack because we aren't acknowledging him and his ways and following him and letting him direct our paths. I think the thing about sin is that it's addictive and deceptive. And the thing about obedience is it's also addictive. But whatever the opposite of, de- of, of deceptive is, it's that. Somebody give me a word. All sin is addictive and deceptive. It pulls you in deeper and the deeper it pulls you in, the more it deceives you and deforms you. And as you obey Jesus, you become more and more addicted to obeying Jesus because you taste the pleasure and the wisdom and the love and the grace. And it becomes a thing that grows as well. And it conforms you to something else. It sets you right. But while this over here is deceptive, this over here is illuminating. And understanding increases and increases and increases until you no longer have to choose between your will and God's will nearly as often. Because the more this illuminates and conforms you, the more what you want lines up with what he wants. Something to think about. All right, let's go ahead and stand. Such a simple sermon, wasn't it? Obey Jesus, he knows what he's talking about. The end. Let's pray. God, we are not saved by obedience to you. We are saved by Jesus. And because we're saved by Jesus, we can learn to know you and walk with you freely. We don't do it perfectly, but we're safe in this place of being like little kids learning how to walk. We stumble and fall, and you're not judging us for falling. You're celebrating our efforts. And I am so grateful that that is the case. I ask God that you would lead us deeper We want to know Jesus better. We don't want our tradition and preference and wisdom to cloud our view and block your will. We want to be wide open to you, teachable and willing to be at odds with the spirit of the age. God's people said, amen. Amen. Love each other, guys.